You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we are VHS podcast that rinse these, talks about the box art, trailers, and behind the scenes. This is our fourth movie and Before They Were Stars. And this week we did Grease 2. The pig the word. Grease 2. You'll love it. Rated PG. Starts Friday at a theater or drive-in near you. And it was uh, centered around Michelle Pfeiffer. Certainly not Maxwell Caulfield. Caulfield? Caulfield? Caulfield. Caulfield? Whatever. No one liked him. (laughs) And this week we have a special guest. We have Sarah! Forsman! Hi everybody. Long time listener. First time guest host. And I don't know much about you. I don't see you every day. So my name is Sarah, and I live in this house with Stephen. I am also known as his wonderful girlfriend. Well, Sarah, this is a special request by you several times. And this is your personal owned VHS. Yes, yes, exactly. I purchased this especially for Matt and Steve to do during this month because it is one of my all-time favorite films as a child. Why is that? Tell us. You know, I was a big fan of dancing and singing, and I loved Grease, the first movie. And so when my dad copied the VHS, like put it in the recorder, and copied it off of maybe TBS or something along those lines, I loved it and watched it over and over again with my older sister about 20 times a week. I bet there's some great commercials on that thing. (laughs) (laughs) So I had seen this pretty much in syndication as well, but my grandma loved the first Grease, so she had had the tape, and sometimes when I went over there to be babysit, it would be watched. After watching this, I was like, wow, Grandma, you you really let me watch a highly sexualized film. (laughs) Because this song literally does not have any other message than remember to have sex during high school. (laughs) See, that's that's the thing, though, is when I watched it, I probably was in junior high, and it didn't actually hit me until recently when we rewatched it, that every single piece of it was about sex. Yeah, and they don't hide it at all. But it's I like, didn't get it. Well, yeah, I didn't get it as a kid either. Yeah, it, it's like one of those that you, you get as an adult, but it's it's vague enough for a child where it's not like in, well, your, in your face, literally. <laughs> they're trying to have sex, but they're not literally having sex most of the time. But the funniest one was looking to score the bowling alley one. Mm. Is that the name of that song? We're gonna bowl tonight. Yeah. And we're the- gonna rock, we're gonna roll, we're gonna... Oh, we're gonna score. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, and watching it know. now, I was like, oh my gosh. I as a kid I remember like, oh yeah, they want the highest score. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
That's exactly what I thought too. Yeah, yeah, it's not that at all. <laughs> it's like, we're gonna bowl so we can score with the ladies next. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'd also seen this as a kid. Once again, big fan of the original as a kid. Didn't know there was a two. When my parents dropped that bombshell on me that there was a second one, it was like the most exciting thing in the world. <laughs> and then rented it and then liked it, you know, not as much, Didn't I didn't buy it. Uh, I did buy the original. That one got a lot of plays at home, but I did like it. I remember being like, why does everybody think this movie's so bad? It's like one of those movies that my parents was like, oh yeah, it's one, it's a bad movie, but you might like it, you know, type thing. And it's like, don't, don't start me off like that. Like, let me make my own opinion on this thing. Yeah, it's funny because my parents never said, oh, it's a bad movie. Watching it, I remember thinking, yeah, there's something different about this one than the Grease one, or the first Grease. But I never, nobody ever told me it was bad. So I have so many happy memories about this movie. Well, yeah, when you're a kid, you just accept things on the surface level. You're like, oh, this is fun. They're dancing, they're singing. You don't think, you know, you're not ripping things apart like we do as adults. <laughs> like we're not judgmental. <laughs> so I remember watching this as a kid being like, wow, a motorcycle, that's awesome. I want to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> what you're talking about is what I'm striving to get back to as I get older. <laughs> it's like, how can I just turn off the criticisms and just like be like, cool dancing in a bowling alley. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I mean, that's my dream is to make every single part of my life a Broadway musical. So if somebody did happen to start singing in a bowling alley like this, I probably would start dancing and singing just as fast. Mine is to live in a sitcom where I constantly have a laugh track going so I can force people to laugh at my jokes. <laughs> yeah, okay. I live in that world. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, I guess we can talk about the small franchise that this film was supposed to create. Uh, 78, the original one came out, made, I don't know, $400 million <laughs> off like $6 million budget. It was ridiculous. Uh, this one, on the other hand, they doubled the budget and made next to no money. It did so poorly. Part of the reason is, is these idiots released it the exact same time period as E.T., Poltergeist, and Rocky Three, Good job, guys. Good planning. <laughs> like, oh, E.T., an alien movie? Pfft, musical's gonna kill that. <laughs> Oops. I don't know. You'd think Grease, though, would have some cachet and be like, it's Grease. Like, you'd think it would bring people in. If that was in 1982 and I had seen the original in 78, I'd be pumped. I'd be first in line for this. <laughs> well, I think it was released in the papers that this was having a awful time in the shoot. So people uh, were just already turned off. Well, the, the creator of the musical was very public in saying this this was a piece of shit. Mm. Uh, so were the, <laughs> the producers themselves weren't helping by having a hard time getting the movie shot. They started filming this without a script, without a full script. It might have, this is a hypothesis, but it might have been that the people who loved Grease so much wanted the actors to come back, the main actors to come back. And it does say that in the in the back that there's some returning actors, but none of them are the main stars. They're all the older people, like the principals, the assistant principals. So I wonder if it just turned people off like right up front. Yeah, and this is a committee-made movie. That's part of the problem as well, where sequels 
kind of get made in a cafeteria. But that doesn't mean we didn't have fun watching this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like I, we'll talk about it a little yeah. bit probably at the end. But this has now a pretty hardcore following. Yeah, like it's not the not the original, of course, where it is like a cultural phenomenon. But people like this movie now. It's okay to like this movie, especially in India. Did you hear about <laughs> India remade a movie based on the uh, basically their own Grease Two off? this script and it is a hit i believe it yeah it's a fun movie <laughs> i just i know that i was running by that we were going to do this movie to a lot of different people in my life and every single one of them either really quickly said oh it's the worst but really catchy or it's the best <laughs> and oh cool i can't wait to hear so i would say it has a relatively decent following and the people that are negative about it i bet you they'd still sit down and watch it oh yeah they'd hate watch it that's what this that's movie that's what you did i didn't hate watch it okay i watched it and started to realize like oh this is what this lacks and but it's days after watching this it was still rolling through my head which is to its credit it's got some interesting things in it that i like can't escape so I have to give it the thumbs up on the sheer fact of it's just... I wouldn't even say this is a pure train wreck or anything like that. It's just fascinating to watch, kind of trying to figure out what the hell they're doing. I had so much nostalgia love for this yeah. that I don't... Even as an adult, watching it again after probably not watching it for a very long time, I, I, really, every, I really thought it was great again although I, I will admit I got a bit bored because I know the movie so well that uh, I, I really don't know if I needed to watch every single piece again but I just loved it I can't even tell you guys how many times growing up I would do cool rider <laughs> and I would relive the moment that Michelle Pfeiffer walks up the ladder and puts her leg around the ladder and then does the, I've been doing that anytime I see a ladder for the most of my adult life. I mean, when I watched this as a kid, I remember actually I liked this one better than the first because the sure I mean, motorcycles are cool, and he was wearing a helmet, and he seemed like so mysterious <laughs> and cool, and I was attracted to I don't know. He seemed like the action movie part of this film. I don't know, Matt. You want to break down this box art? <laughs> yeah. We took a look at the cover here, stark white again, like the original with the red grease logo with the little flag that says two on it. That's cute. I like their little title treatment. Uh, and we get front and center, Maxwell Caulfield and Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Maxwell Caulfield's looking wantonly at us, and Michelle <laughs> Pfeiffer's looking wantonly at him. Uh, and at the bottom, we've got... Uh, I guess the T-Birds and the Pink Ladies mixed with a couple other just randoms from the high school, in front of the high school, dancing, singing, looking jolly. Flipping it over, we've got the we've got a still of the Pink Ladies dancing front and center. So they kind of know that this is more of a Pink Lady movie than a, than a T-Bird movie. Role reversal on the sequel here. And here's our description. Here's what we get. Many familiar faces from the smash hit Grease return to the campus, and new ones are equally memorable in this happy tribute to straight skirts, chick chasing, and young love. It's 1961, two years after the original Grease gang graduated from Rydell High, and there's a new crop of seniors. The Pink Ladies and the T-Birds are still the epitome of cool, 
Except that over the summer, something's happened to Stephanie, Michelle Pfeiffer in her first starring role, the sorority leader. She feels she's outgrown Johnny, Adrian Zemed, the head of the T-Bird, and is looking for new love. One who's even more cool, whose bike is even hotter. Meanwhile, newcomer Michael, Maxwell Caulfield, is smitten with Stephanie, who won't even notice him. The conflict is on, and the Rydell High Fund takes off to new heights. PG. I'm surprised this is PG. Uh, there was no PG-13 at this point. Oh, okay, so that makes sense. Yeah. That was uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Film. I mean, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom uh, and um, Gremlins. So that that's what changed all that. But yeah, if this was made today, it would easily be PG-13. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of crotch thrusting then. <laughs> yes. Sadly, there's no trailers in this, so let's move on. We'll start off with jumping from song to song. The beginning of this film, did you notice there was no animation like there was in the right. first one? Right. I thought... That was a little odd. I, I, I really like that animation in the first one. I wonder why they didn't bring that back. Probably more expensive. That's true. The opening uh, dancing song everything is really well done. Oh, yeah. I would say some of the best choreographed movie, movie dancing that I have ever seen. Yeah, it was really big. Yeah, it's huge. It's massive, <laughs> this opening scene. Because I thought this was going to be like, all right, we're, you know, Grease 2, let's see what type of mess we're going to get into. But yeah, I was like, wow, it starts high. It does well. It, it introduces every character perfect. We have the T-Birds knocking over the nerd. What's his name? Uh, Eddie Deason? Yeah, Deason? Eddie Deason's back yeah. again. <laughs> if you remember, if you when you when when I looked it up on Wikipedia, it said that one of the directors was the chore- choreographer. So she was directing and choreographing, which probably meant there would be more larger emphasis on dancing in general. She got promoted. She was the third choice of them. They wanted the the original director of the first one. He said, no way. They went to someone else, and then uh, they're like, hey, you did such a good job choreographing the first one. Why don't you come back and do both for this? And you can see her talent, that's for sure. She's, at least in this opening number, I would say this is incredible. Yeah, I would agree. And actually, I I wonder if because of just her heightened sense of, like, the importance of choreography, that's why it looks so great. Because my favorite shot Mm -hmm. was when they came from the very top. And we're looking yeah. down at everybody. That was really, really cool for me. It was a nice crane shot. Yeah, it's just like visually, like, I mean, for a director who knows choreography, also just knows where to put the camera really, really, really well for yeah. these this opening scene. It's, yeah, it's great. Did you guys notice in this tape the widescreen? How it's like widescreen for the first yeah. bit of this, and then it I switches to full screen. <laughs> Another one of those tapes, but yeah. it, but it like it really opens up the world when you kind of if you've seen it on tape for the first time, it's like whoa, this is a huge movie. Like, I, yeah, I I had that same feeling when I started it. I was like, this is big. Yeah, this I was is impressed. A big movie. <laughs> was anyone amazed at how much smoking was going on by quote unquote teenagers? I know this is, you know, based in the early 60s, but the T-Birds were just puffing away. The first one has a lot of that, too. Man, I just don't remember that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the, the scene immediately after the dance scene where she he's smoking in the hallway, I mean, they just had to they had to set it up. It's, it's a big deal. I, I think in the 60s that must have been either the stereotype or the truth of how the teenagers were. 
Well, I was confused at the time period of this because the first one took place, what, in 58? 59. 59, and yeah. this one's supposed to take... Uh, 61. 61. So it just felt... Uh, to me, I, I, I was surprised that the, the aesthetic changed this much. Because that, that's the huge difference to me. Is like The first one really felt like romanticizing the 50s. Yeah. This one felt like making the 50s like 80s, 50s. And it was confusing me. But it also, I think something that also made this really interesting is that the first one was in the 50s, and that was the male pursuing the female. It was a role reversal, so... Well, he, John Travolta's character, what was his name? Uh, with an S, right? Sonny? No, Danny. Danny, okay. Well, yeah. like, yeah. He, he was finding the girl, and they were switching the girl mm-hmm. and making the girl cool, and then in the 60s, things were starting to change a little bit, and all of a sudden a boy had to switch for a girl. So it seems like a, like a move for empowerment there. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing with this. They're just making a sequel. They're rehashing it and just changing the role reversal. I mean, that's all they did in here. Uh, that's why a lot of the cast wanted them to make this like 30 years in the future and to make this like son of Greece. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And I do right. wonder if the first versions of this, the script was that. I, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree with you here. I, I get the 60s more feel here. Uh, oh, I, I don't feel I, it at all. I feel I, a little change, and I and it might be because, you know, the first one was in the 70s, and this one was in the 80s, and things have already changed, by this, you know, between 78 and 82. Um, and then, yeah, the, this set two years later, it feels different. Uh, and in a way, like, it still feels like, it feels like a different time period that this is being made. And maybe it is more of, like, a nondescript stereotype 60s, Whereas like the fifty nine, the original is like more on point, but like I feel, I feel like there's a difference. That's why I said this. This has a different feeling to it, but I feel like this is, like, doesn't know exactly what it wants to latch onto. The first one knew what its aesthetic feel was and romanticized the fifties in a iconic way. Well, yeah, but what I'm I'm disagreeing with you on is I think it is it's broad stroke, but it is a sixties to me. It feels like. That's, what, that's how I felt about it. I think I see it both ways. One of the main parts, right, as they're walking in the school, all one of the girls looks at Michelle Pfeiffer's character. What's her name again? Stephanie. Stephanie, And yeah. looks at her in her pants and says, says, oh, pants? And then Stephanie remembers to go get her skirt on and tuck her pants underneath her skirt. So I think that was the call to the 50s. But the like the point where it kind of switched over to maybe more in the sixties. Yeah, I, I, it was interesting. I've heard a lot of um, comments on like why is Michelle Pfeiffer dressed more contemporary, and the rest of the cast is dressed more like the fifties. Maybe that is what they're trying to say. She's the one ushering them into yeah, the new age. That's what I absolutely yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I see it that way. I may not have thought that until this very moment when you brought it up, but I, when we were watching it, I noticed, you know, oh skirts, and then she was like, oh crap, I gotta go fix myself up to look like everybody else. But if the theme of the whole movie is that she doesn't want to be like everybody else. She wants to meet a cool writer, and she wants to wear pants, and she works at a gas station. So this is this is all completely different types of masculinity in the 60s 
used to be, you know, more feminine poodle skirts and ponytails of the 50s. So they're just trying to show a transition. I just got to say, since we're talking about that now with, like, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's introduction in this movie, from moment one when she is on screen, she is just a fucking rock star. Like, I cannot take my eyes off of her. Not just because, you know, she's obviously stunning. She's obviously beautiful. But she has such a screen presence, too. And, like, not only, like, do I want to, like, watch this movie. Like, I want to hang out with this character. I want to be her. You know? Like, she is so cool. From, like, moment one, I'm immediately like, wow, she's going to be a star. Like, <laughs> She's different. I think that's also has something to do with it. Like, when she's walking in front of everyone in the, the bus at the beginning where the opening was and she has her pink jacket on. She's just got a completely different look. And I think that helps. Not only is she pretty and talented, but she stands out because she just looks different. She's just such a rock star. She also (laughs) has beautiful eyes. I noticed when I was watching it that I was just staring at her big eyes the whole time. And they're very telling of what's about to happen. I, I never look at her eyes. I, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, she's so beautiful. Like her eyes, and I still think Michelle Pfeiffer, even as she has gotten older and become more of a mother character in other movies, uh, I still think she's beautiful. So. Yeah, well, I mean, she's so pretty that like she can't even really play a grandma. Yeah. At grandma age. Not yet. No, she'll probably have to be ninety years old, and then finally she can play a grandma. <laughs> yeah, she's she's still stunning, and she's she's still a rock star. She's still so cool. Yeah, she, I mean, <laughs> she's still nailing roles. I mean, the last one I saw her in was Mother, which was just oh, that crazy was craziness. <laughs> but she's so good in that too. It's like God, she's yeah. she's a star. She is a star. So going on further in this movie, uh, I remember the the bowling alley song. Let's score tonight. That's when we get introduced to the sister, the little sister. Yeah. I don't remember her name. Was it Lauren or something? Something like that. Yeah. But she's in. she was in the Louie show. Yeah, she was Louie C.K.'s girlfriend or close friend, temporary. Which one is Yeah, Dolores. Dolores. Her name was Dolores, oh, yeah. and she's Pamela, I don't know. Adlin. Adlin, and she's a comedian, and she was Louis C.K.'s... I think love interest and maybe girlfriend for a while. Kind of. He wanted her yeah, to be. Yeah, he wanted and, her. I don't know. After season two of Louie, I stopped watching. But it's so funny because I did not know who she was for the very longest time. And then as soon as we flipped this on and I saw her in that scene, I knew exactly who she was. And I could not believe that she was in this movie. Yeah, it surprised me too. Yeah, I could not believe it. That was fun looking up and finding out. Because you kept saying like, who is she? I've seen her face. And I was like, I don't know. She looks like a little girl. <laughs> yeah. And you and I talked about this. So when Paulette came on this scene in this movie, first of all, she clearly looks like she's in her 30s because she is. Well, let's talk about who yeah. Paulette is. Paulette is the love interest of Danny. Well, or the love interest of Johnny or trying to become well, the love interest of Johnny throughout the film. Yeah, I didn't quite understand what Paulette was because to me, Paulette's the true leader of the pink ladies? Oh, I don't agree with that. Well, she's the one who actually is a pink lady. Like Michelle Pfeiffer the entire time doesn't really want to be a pink lady. Right. I actually think Paulette is the 
she's like your typical really, really popular high school girl who is very charismatic and everybody loves her. And although she, she, but she's not the leader. I still think Stephanie's the leader. I mean, Stephanie drives the car. Stephanie is by, is sometimes by herself in the movie. I mean, Paulette is always with other people and always second to Stephanie. So I don't know if she's the true leader. I think she's the heart and soul of the pink lady. She's the one who tries really hard. The one... Like when Michelle Pfeiffer's like, I don't want to date the T-Birds, you know, Johnny from the T-Birds. I want my own person. Like she, To me, she's going to be the most successful out of the entire group. She's assuming the one that, who's looking for something else. Assuming that no. a T-Bird and a peak lady is your only goal in life. Yeah, that's what Paulette, Paulette's looking yeah. for the okay, Johnny. Okay, I see what you're saying. What and you're I, was, saying, I was, later on in the film, I became more interested in Paulette and Johnny's characters because yeah. of the respect that is won from Paulette, you know, because Johnny hands her the coat. Yeah, Paulette like, is, a, is a strong lady throughout. She seems weak at first because she's like, oh, I'll take your second dibs, you know, from Stephanie. Mm-hmm. But then later she gains respect by being a very strong person. Yeah, she grows. She grows as a character. And it, like, she might I don't be the only one that actually grows as a character. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, when you look at this, Michelle and, or I mean, Michael and Stephanie, they're very um, surface level. Like, she wants someone who's cool, and he's like, okay, I'll completely change who I am. Yeah, which is the same as the original, which is no different from the original whatsoever. (laughs) I don't remember a lot from the actual characters growing in the original one. To me, it was just, yeah. It's the exact same thing where... Rizzo is really the main character who yeah. changes and grows and that you like fall in love with and you want to watch her story, but you're following Olivia Newton-John who's just like, oh, she's just changing to be with the boy. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> the exact same. Yeah. Yeah, they do the exact yeah. same thing. It's... It would have been really cool to get Rizzo's full story. Right? That's yeah. the story I want. Yeah. Especially as I get older, too. I'm like, God, that story is so good. Yeah. <laughs> like... in, her, in her one song when yeah. she's singing about, you know getting knocked up or not getting knocked up it's it's amazing yeah i i find it interesting in both movies the two side characters are like hey what what's up with them yeah they're like no pay attention to the stars (laughs) (laughs) but there i feel like there is something there like it's you know it's 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 following suit of 50s musicals anyway where your stars are the most surface and the side characters are what make those movies it's the same thing they're doing the they're doing the trope Probably on purpose, mm-hmm. I would think. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, I, I don't really know. Uh, I, that'd be interesting to hear from the original writers. Are they doing that completely on purpose? Maybe. I would think so. I would think so. Or are I they would... just writing the cool characters like that because that's who they wanted to be in high school? <laughs> <laughs> and then that's why the side characters are so rich because it's them? It's, it's really them? <laughs> like the real problems they had to go through? Yeah. Uh, so what did we think about reproduction? Because I... So when I handed... Reproduction, reproduction, baby, give it to me now. Uh, When I dropped this tape off at Ashley, I was like, we talked about a lot of the songs. I don't remember reproduction at all because I bet it was ripped out of syndication. It was. Okay, so that's exactly true because when I watched it with my sister, 
the one that my dad recorded off the TV, I had never seen reproduction before. Maybe just like the very first part where they're talking about it. And then later when we were a little older and I got my hands on the actual, I think my dad at some point might have actually bought this for us or we rented it. We got the reproduction song. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? This is what it is? And I remember going back to school and telling all my other friends who also liked Grease 2 that, have you heard the reproduction song? Why don't we just start at the beginning? Page one. Open your book. Where do babies come from? If you need me, I'll be right over here. Well, we need this uh, for the exam. The parts of a flower are so constructed that very, very often the wind will cause pollination. If not, then a bee or any other nectar-gathering creature can create the same situation. Yes, anything that gets the pollen to the pistols right on the list. I'll try to make it crystal clear. A flower's insatiable passion turns its life into a circus of debauchery. Now you see just how the stamen gets its lusty dust onto the stigma. And why this frenzied chlorophyllous orgy starchy spring is no enigma. We call this quest for satisfaction a what class? A photoperiodic reaction. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's very good. Hey, I'm lost. Where are we? Chapter two. Page five. Reproduction. Reproduction. Put your pollen tube to work. Reproduction. Reproduction. Make my stamen go berserk. Reproduction. I don't think they even know what a pistol is. I got your pistol right here. Yeah, uh, that was all brand new to me. That's like when I saw like Breakfast Club for the first time on DVD because I had only ever seen it on TBS. That was the pot smoking scene. I was like, there's a whole nother like section exactly. of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? And you just, your head explodes temporarily. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have that with this movie because I, re I rented this one. So I actually okay. never caught this one on TV, but I, I rented it. So I, I saw the reproduction song. I think it's cute and fun. It's a little fucked up, but it's uh, fun and for this movie. I, I was there's it's in there. I'm like, oh, ooh, wow. Yeah, I understand why we ripped this out for syndication. This is a this is a bit much. This right. is too much but, on the nose. Right, but I was just like smiling the whole time. I was like, this is fucked up, but I'm I'm. I, it was, it was really racy, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember much about how you felt in high school, but I think it is like just taking how people really are thinking and feeling in high school and just putting it on film and making it into a dance number. And it's really not that that off of like the truth of what's happening in most of our heads when we're going through sex education at like a junior high school or high school level. Oh, what was going through my head in high school when I saw that was, well, that's never going to happen for me because no one likes me. <laughs> yeah. Look at you now, sweetie. Uh, you'll get paid next week. <laughs> so that's I. that song just blew my... I, I'm glad that we had, you know... I was right. I, I was wondering if I was. And Ashley made a good point. She's like, I think a lot of these songs are the reject songs from the first one or something. And I was wondering when, because she was saying like, you know, these songs aren't quite as good. 
You know, they're it's like true. They're not as good. just a little bit behind. And she's like, I think they're reject songs. <laughs> so, so or, like, or, or like maybe the B team was working on them. And now the B team got to be the yeah. varsity team. And they stuck them in. And then people were like, oh, that's why you were the B team. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had this thought that maybe in the first Grease, some of those those songs were not actually created for the movie. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if we found any statistics to back that up, but I think in the second movie, I feel like every song was written just specifically for this movie, and that's why they were so cheeky. Maybe. I, there's... Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't have a, a play to go off of. They didn't have any... No, yeah, they, they just had nothing and had to just come up with something, and this is what they came up with. I don't know, though. I... I really like the songs here, though, too. They're just, yeah, they're not as hooky as the, they're like, they're so close. I just like, I can see it. It's like, you're almost there uh, with, like, the level of how good the songs in the original are. Because these are good. They're good. It's just like, oh, almost, almost. Yeah, something's <laughs> off. I don't, I don't know enough about musicals but to know what's off, but I can tell you, something's off. But yeah. I do remember a lot of the songs from the movie, and I hadn't seen it in such a long. I remember Cool Rider. I remember Let's Score Tonight. I remember Let's Do It for Our Country, which we can go right into that. <laughs> he traps a girl in a bunker, shuts the door, says the nukes are going off, and then, like, let's bang because that's what we should do for America. I To me, I was like, ooh. Ooh, this this can't happen. This didn't age well. <laughs> Not this scene. <laughs> I think because of the society that we have today where with the Me Too, that might look a little bit more dramatic for us than it would have when it hit. Oh, no, it was bad back then. There was people complaining about this scene back oh, then. Oh, really? But I didn't do yeah. any research on this scene. Yeah. I, again, though, but is it just like being accurate to like what high school boys are like, though? Like that's, that's, what I that's think. so spot on for like exactly like what kind of like long con game a high school boy would play just to try to get into somebody's pants. Well, no, like, no, see, and, I, and it's fucked up and it's not okay. But like this is pretty elaborate. As, I don't as, know. <laughs> as the only female in the room, aside from. Yes, has anyone ever tricked you into the atomic bomb? That's not where I was going with this. What was what made it worse was that the girl was so dumb. Because halfway, <laughs> That's true. halfway through, he's like, let's do it for our country. And she was like, yeah, I'm going to get you ready for the army. Like it. Well, but I she mean, couldn't have act, she could have acted a bit more 60s and like stood up for herself instead of being like, okay, okay, I'm going to get into this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm was, into this. She was a little naive, just like, okay, oh, yeah, what I was you, you're for. right. The alarm's going off, so the bombs must be happening. But she never but, thought I mean, they were going to do it. She never thought they were going to do it. The whole it's... time she was thinking she was getting him ready for the army. Yeah, I, I just don't think it really helps you like the T-Birds. Like, at, at not one point do I ever like the T-Birds in this. I don't know why, but in Grease 1, I remember loving the T-Birds. I wanted to be a T-Bird. In this one, I don't want to be a T-Bird. I, w- I want to be the cool rider, but fuck, I don't care about the T-Birds at all. Yeah. Other than, I got to admit, Johnny's got some, some arms on him. Those yeah. are some serious arms. Good looking. He's a good looking, a good looking guy. But yeah. 
Yeah, he's a good-looking 28-year-old playing a 18-year-old. Yeah, we were, while we were watching the movie, we were looking up the actual age of all the people in the movie, and I think the only two that were actually close enough to high school age were Michelle Pfeiffer and Max Caulfield. Yeah, just call him Max while. Yeah, Is it Max yeah he, was, he was around 21, 22. He and had his 22nd you know. birthday on set, and she was 23. Yeah, she looks like a substitute teacher in this. She's like that age, right out of college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But he's got a really mature look to him. When I first saw him, I was like, ooh, boy, this guy looks really young. But throughout the film, it looks like he slowly looks older. I don't know if that's like the way they're addressing him or something. I, I don't know, but... He's he did have a, a suit jacket on when he got off the school bus. He was wearing a suit jacket, like, when in that very first scene. He might even be down here somewhere, but in that mm. very, very first scene, as he was getting off the bus, he had on a suit jacket. So that might be why you saw that, because, like, this, the first time you're introduced to him, he's wearing a suit jacket, which nobody wears a suit jacket to high school. He's a square. Yeah, he's a square. Yeah. <laughs> Snow down. Also, he is the exact opposite of John Travolta. In my opinion, John Travolta was so charismatic. Like even I listened to the soundtrack of the first Grease uh, getting ready for this movie. And you can hear how much fun John Travolta is having in the role and how much he brings to it. You and I, while watching the film, were like, Jesus, does Maxwell even want to be in this film? <laughs> He's pretty unemotional. And his facial, even his facial Features and the way that he look presents himself on screen is like like motionless. Like his he never like had a different look except for like inquisitive towards Stephanie. He looks like a model. Yeah, like he yeah. really looks like like a model, and I feel like that's why he's in this film. Maybe yeah. I well, wonder if... his career. <laughs> <laughs> I think he ruined his career. Everyone said he was miserable to work with. He was. They called him a Madonna. He just sat there and really liked to stare at himself. He was really was into his himself. Well, yeah, he's he's British, tall, blonde. I mean, not only is he tall and blonde for this time period, but he's British. So all the girls are like, "I love your accent." But he's also he's also twenty two, being casted as the lead in yeah. a what's supposed to be a hit movie coming out after a pretty big hit round one. What I was surprised was he is. Broadway trained. Really? That actually surprised me. It did me too. He, he looks like a model or like just somebody who stumbled into acting or something. The fact that he's Broadway trained is actually it's very surprising. He yeah, doesn't he, they, dance at all in this movie. No, I don't know. I, he does not make sense to me. He is not charismatic. Uh, I want to be him, but I want to be him as his the Superman form of him. You want to be the character he's yes, playing. Yeah. I want to be the cool writer. But when he's on screen, he emotes so little emotion. And I think that's why they stuck, what's the girl returning? The dropout? The Didi Khan and yeah. Frenchie. Frenchie. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're going to stick Frenchie around him because everyone loves Frenchie. And this guy looks like he barely wants to be here sometimes. Especially the very end. Remember when they graduate? You and I both. He just, I have this, like, face on. Yeah, he's just like, can we end this movie? <laughs> yeah, can we get out of here, please? I just want to do my last scene and kiss Michelle Pfeiffer and get out of here. That's probably because they, this went so over schedule and over budget. But that's what happens when you walk into a movie without a set script. And they were rewriting the songs on set. 
You you know what? You actually can't tell that though. You know, like I feel like yeah. Yeah, I'm saying the songs are not as high quality, but like they come together pretty nicely here. No, like, I'm actually surprised it's surprising. Yeah, it's, how well this movie came together yeah. and knowing the behind the scenes on it. Your two leads didn't even like each other. Even though we found out she cut his birthday cake, yeah, that's we found, weird. We found a little a little blurb that said he celebrated his 22nd birthday on set and Michelle Pfeiffer cut his birthday cake. So That must have been the beginning. Yeah, it <laughs> must have been like yeah. right before they started to hate each other. Because uh, they are both very vocal about this movie where Michelle Pfeiffer's like, he was hard to work with because he just didn't want to work with anyone. He's very vocal with this movie ruined my career or set it back by 10 years. But there's a lot of other actors who came out and said like, uh, well, we don't want to say anything mean, but let's just say we don't want to work with him anymore. That's the meanest thing you can say. <laughs> <laughs> but when I we were watching it, we could I could not place his face. I go, oh my gosh, where do I know him from? It was driving me nuts. And then we found out Empire Records. And I was like, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's definitely in Empire Records because of this movie, though. You think? Oh, really? Oh, yeah, because yeah. Empire Records is such a culty, weird movie, too. Like, it's like the filmmakers probably saw this movie and were like, that guy. <laughs> we grew up watching you in Greece, too. And now we've got money to make a film. Yeah, I, I absolutely feel that way. I don't know if that's true at all. That's just, like, how yeah. I feel. This also probably started careers for guys like Christopher McDonald and Adrian Zemed. Mm-hmm. Probably, right? I'm assuming. This is like the first time I remember seeing either of them. But I don't actually don't remember seeing Adrian Zemed in anything else after this. No, he's uh, done a the, lot the of work. Show. Yeah, he was on a cop TV show. Yeah, he, oh, he so was on I... Chips. Was it Chips? Is, mm, no. Um, TJ Hooker? TJ Hooker, yeah. Okay. Hooker. I don't remember, but I always thought he was pretty, pretty rad. But who's the guy that I believe... I remember... Oh, you're talking about Goose, Christopher McDonald? Goose, yeah. Is that who you just said? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he really... I was like, oh, that guy's famous. He nailed his uh, career. Especially in uh, Happy Gilmore. He plays the douchebag character, like especially like boss-level douchebag character. Perfect. And every time he's in a film, I just... I fucking love him in it. Yeah. He's I, great in this one too. Yeah. yeah. He's the he's he's probably the most memorable like T-bird yeah. character. Yeah. He's great. You know his equivalent in Greece, the first one, also got really famous. His the Kaniki. Yeah, Jeff Conway. Yeah. So oh, I Jeff don't know. Conway, yeah. Like yeah. I would say that they are in line with each other as the character. Yeah, and, I agree. Yeah. I agree so, with that 100%. Yeah. yeah, so they, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. They just needed somebody chariz- as charismatic as the first guy, so they did, they picked Christopher McDonald and they did a good job. So to end this film, uh, we have a talent show, which is such a 50s slash 80s teenage comedy thing to do. Yeah, it's always a talent. It's, it's, it's the 80s trope. Talent yeah, show or like presentation, anything where we can get people in a gymnasium or in an auditorium all together. Yeah, that is the eighties trope. Let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> it was it was fun. Uh, I the song was probably a little long, the pacing in it, but like when Which, he. Well, you mean the song where Stephanie ends up on her knees in a Christmas tree dress, yes. singing about yeah. Uh, yeah. the love of her life. Yeah, that that yeah. song and the one where um, Michael mopes for like five minutes, where he's like, 
Why can't she oh. notice me or whatever but he's that's singing. Not, that's not during that's, the talent show. That's That's earlier. before it. Yeah, it's but, called, um, yeah. I don't remember what it's what that particular song is called. But yeah, those yes. two songs were slow. And I remember as a kid thinking like, can we get this over with? I want to see what happens next. Yeah, let's let's move along. It's But that you do get the great scene between Johnny and Paulette. Don't worry about it. Looks fine. Just get out there. Hi, Johnny. Hi. Hold it. What? What are you crazy? Come on, Paulette. Look, I told you before, you are not going to go out there like that. Oh, I know. I got to put a little something on my face. Put a little something on your body. But I gotta dress like this, Johnny. I'm summer. Look, then get yourself a pair of galoshes, a, 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 a snowsuit scarf, and, and, and be, be winter. And that is Johnny Nagarelli's final word. Yeah? Well, you want to hear my final word, Mr. Push Everyone Around Nagarelli? Maybe you can bully some be of the cool, chicks Paulette. in this school, but this chick has been bullied by one Johnny oh. Nagarelli for the last time. I may not be the classiest oh. chick in this school, but I'm the best you're ever gonna get. So take it! Where she's like, hey, stop pushing me around. This is who I am. Get yeah. on board or get off. Yeah, she's wearing her. I believe that her character for the talent show was Summer, and she was wearing, was was it Summer? She was Summer, right? Yeah. And she was wearing an all-white little one-piece It was lingerie. Suit. Yeah. <laughs> it was basically lingerie, and then and Danny throws the, um, or Johnny, Johnny sorry, yeah. sorry, Johnny throws the jacket at her, and she throws it back, and is like, heck no, buddy. Yeah, that was a good scene to set the stage for like how, and that's the that's actually the turning point where he started to actually respect her. Yeah, that's that was, the turning point for me. That's one of my favorite parts in the entire film. Yeah, she's like, "Listen, bitch." <laughs> and I have to say, I actually growing up, I actually thought that Johnny was the main character, and like Johnny and Stephanie were the main characters. It really didn't. Until we started talking about how Maxwell Caulfield and how much he's on the front cover and everything, mm-hmm. I actually didn't really realize. Like, I didn't think he, I think as a kid, I didn't think his character was significant enough for him to be memorable and the main character. So I always thought Johnny was like the main character. I think the kid knew was right. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I just also think too, like compared to like Michelle Pfeiffer, he does not have nearly as much screen time. As well, like right. I feel no. like we do see a lot of we probably see equivalent him and Johnny if we yeah. like really were no. to break it down and look at it. Johnny was my favorite always too. That's because Johnny, Stephanie, and Paulette are the best screen presence in this film. Every time they're on camera, well, and um, Christopher McDonald, I think they're just all really fun to watch. I mean, are they as charismatic as the original cast? No, but they're still good enough. I actually think the biggest problem in this film in this film is the cool writer is when he is being himself as Michael, he's an anchor. <laughs> like, he's <laughs> just, just dra- yeah, <laughs> it's like, I, I don't care about you. Uh, great. You're smart. I, I don't care. It is fun at the end once they get past all this where they have this weird like Gilligan's Island like tiki celebration. Like I don't 
quite understand what's going on. I and I kind of don't care because at the time I even remember this as a kid. Wow. Well. It's getting close to the end, which is the best part for me. <laughs> like, all right, we're it's it's coming to an end because this is a long film. Yeah, it's almost two hours long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can feel it at times because of a couple of the songs where you're like, okay. Yeah. Can I just want to make, before we move on past the cast in general, but were the twins in this movie, were they in the first movie? Remember the two mm-hmm. twins? I couldn't tell you. But who, does anybody remember who they are? For some reason, they stuck out to me as people who were significant in the 80s, actresses, and I didn't, I don't know if they're even on, on the cast list, but I just wanted to bring that mm-hmm. to, to fruition, but... No. I just remember reading a story where they were both living, one was living in L.A., one was living in New York, and they had no idea that both of them were actually auditioning for the same movie. But they're real-life twins. Yeah. Okay. That's why they got the job. I feel like they're in the first movie, too, honestly. I don't know why I feel that, though. I don't know. I don't know if that story also was for the first one, and then they just brought them back for the second one because... No clue. But yeah, back to the luau. Sorry, I didn't mean to get too far off topic there. That's what we do on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we only do tangents here. <laughs> I love, I love the luau. I did not really strike me as like how weird it was until watching it this past week, thinking like, oh yeah, why would they have a big pool and luau for a whole bunch of high school kids, and how would a motorcycle gang ruin that? And it was a, a little over the top, but I loved it. I mean, I guess we didn't talk about the reject scorpions either. The reject, the, re- the scorpions back, are not rejects. They're just like the other side of town gang. They're the gang from, and they don't, they don't come back to Greece too as the scorpions. They come back as a, as a gang. I can't remember the name of the gang, but they come back as a as a different gang. But the leader is still the same. So the guy who was the leader of the scorpions comes back into this movie and is now the leader of this other gang that looks just like the Scorpions, but for some reason they didn't call them the Scorpions. I didn't know any of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I read about it, and it, it said that he comes back for this one as a leader of... It starts with a C, the leader of the gang that they're a part of now. It's it's called something different, but he was also in the Scorpions. Okay. Mm. Yeah, but he is a real scary guy. Yeah. I don't know if Ooh. he ever went on to do anything else, but... I think they called him Crater. I feel like in the first movie they might have called him Crater or something. Yeah, they called him Crater Face. Crater Face, yeah, in the first one. Yeah, which is really mean. No wonder he's mad. Well, he had, I mean, it, it suited him. Yeah, but he was also like evil. So yeah. It's okay to call evil people names. Yeah, yeah, because that's how it works. But he's, his character is very defe- gets very defeated in this movie. I don't remember them having a lot of issues with them in the last movie. They were just kind of a side story that didn't make it too far. The side story in this one, too. That I no, for- that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they I were- forgot about them until they came back. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, but they, were, they weren't as big of a side story. I think at some point maybe they had hoped that this group would have more significance because they mm. were the, the gang that came to the bowling alley and were running around the bowling alley parking lot. And then Michael came in and scared them away. And then they were there driving around the track. I mean, they had a much mm-hmm. bigger, in my opinion, if I I might not be remembering the first movie as well, but in my opinion, there might have been a side story that was supposed to be there that just never made it into the final cut of the movie. 
Maybe. I mean, maybe this movie was supposed to be three hours, and that's why they had <laughs> such a, like... Because I feel like there is a lot in this film. Yeah, and, they pack it up. They yeah. a lot of information in this yeah. film. <laughs> to speak to that, I was reading that at some point they had hoped to make it into even a bigger franchise. Mm-hmm. So they were setting up this movie to go from, you know, this time in the 60s to all the way up to the Nixon era. So they were hoping to, so they were like planting seeds for other things that they wanted to talk about in upcoming movies. This bombed so bad, they just never did. And then in 2003, there was talk of another, of another Mm -hmm. Grease that would have involved Olivia Newton-John. And then later on, maybe in like 2006 or something they had talked about doing something else and just nothing ever came of it yeah this this knocked uh, the entire franchise for a loop uh it eliminated the tv show that they thought would really be successful did like, that ever start filming or they oh just, no it just no kicked they, it out it, it's it's done it, as soon as grease 2 landed in theaters everyone knew this is done because the creator of grease I mean, not only when he saw the original script and all the way through, he wanted nothing to do with it. So when you eliminate your most talented person and kind of force them away without their kind of like blessing, it puts a shadow on the film. And it really did. The public had a problem with this film before it even came out, which isn't helping. And then add on top of being released at the same time of E.T. and whatever other movie. Rocky Three, which I think was a huge hit. I think those unnecessary kind of preconceived notions are what made people think for years that this was a quote-unquote bad movie. And now people are rediscovering it because they're like, oh, wait, it's fine. You know? (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to challenge anybody listening to this podcast who has not watched this movie in 10 to 15 years to go back and give it a try. I think you'll like it. Yeah, I really don't think people could like walk away and say this is a bad movie. They can maybe say it's a problematic movie. They could say it's a little uneven, but it is not a bad movie. No, I I don't think it deserves to be on top 10 worst sequels of all time, no. which we saw it was. I mean, I can look at Anchorman 2 and be like, cool, that's a lot worse than this. Anchorman 2 sets like a whole new standard for what not to do with a sequel. There's no way. It yeah, but might not hold up to the original, but it's not. Yeah. It's not a bad movie. I will say, since we were kind of talking about the end here, I like all the songs in this movie except for the last song. Oh really? I cannot stand the last song Why? because I feel like that is the one that doesn't sound like of the time. That's the one that sounds like an '80s song. was the last song the it's the slower like graduating song oh we'll yeah it sounds like a yeah. brian adams song or yeah something that like one that. 
It doesn't sound hey, 60s or 50s at all to me. <laughs> I don't even have to put background music in here. I'll just let Sarah go. <laughs> so, it's so modern for what they're like. All the other stuff is 50s, 60s sounding. This sounds like a, like an 80s Brian Adams kind of like love I, song. I never thought about that. And that bothered me. <laughs> I was the, like, this one doesn't fit with the rest. For for t- taking it for face value, I loved it because it is the part of the movie where everybody's like, as a little girl, I was like, oh, they're all in love, and they're looking at each other, and they're kissing each other, and it's just so romantic. But I actually, now that you say that, I totally agree that it is not the same as the rest of the songs. Yeah, it bothered me. It was something, it, it wasn't, it's not like a bad song, I guess. Like, I, I don't really like it, but, like, it it doesn't fit in any way to me. And, it, yeah, it, I, I hear Brian Adams. I like Brian Adams. I've seen Brian Adams live before. <laughs> Brian Adams is the greatest Canadian oh rocker God, of all time. Yes. Maybe he'll do a song for us on this podcast. I, I love Brian Adams, but it doesn't work for this movie for me. So, I hear ya. Yeah, that that actually bothered me. That was like this whole movie for me. The entire time the movie was going on, I was like, "This is so much better than anybody gets a camera." This is so good. This is so fun. Then we got the last song. I was like. I didn't like that. <laughs> I was like, ooh, my first kind of real negative thing I have to say about this. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to that song again so I can be like, man, Brian Adams is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Matt's going to start talking about how Grease, Grease 2 really introduced him to Brian Adams. Yeah, it was music. my gateway <laughs> drug to Brian Adams. <laughs> and you didn't even know. Yeah, and it was, it was uh, quite wonderful. Yeah, no. I saw Brian Adams like last month, oh. actually, so it's like pretty recently. Wow. Great show. Yeah. He's a great We'll he's a take great your artist. word for it. <laughs> All right. Before we go into the behind the scenes here, we'll take a look at Geekscape's new movie they're promoting and almost done with the fundraising. They've almost hit their mark. Or actually, by this record, by the time this comes out, they may have already hit their mark. So here we go. Hey, Geekscape. It's Jonathan the Podfather here. And when I first started Geekscape back in 2006, it was just a podcast, but then it grew into a podcast network and a community. And the whole plan was to turn it into a production company so we could make cool films and TV ideas and all sorts of stuff for you guys. We'll always be doing the podcast, but right now I want to let you guys know that we're running a Seed and Spark campaign for one of our first original productions. And this is a co-production with Dweeb Darlings and Fonco Studios called Stocking LeVar. It's a continuation of the web series Stocking LeVar. If you go online, go to YouTube, or dweebdarlings.com and look for Stuck in LeVar and you guys will find a pretty fun two seasons of this show. We're going to make a short film out of it, but we're going to need your help. So go to seedandspark.com, search Stocking LeVar, as in LeVar Burton, and you'll find our project. Listen, if you can't donate, it's okay. Just follow and share. That'll help us out a whole lot. And then if you can donate, as some of your fellow Geekscapers have, we'd appreciate that too. The campaign's going to be running for a while, so I really, really appreciate you guys checking it out, and enjoy the rest of this show. For our behind the scenes here, we've mentioned already quite a bit, but we're, we're going to specifically talk about poor Frenchie. Uh, what was the actress's name? Didi Khan. Yeah, Didi Khan. So she was invited back on here, and I don't know if you guys had seen any of the original marketing, but it was really hardcore on Frenchie's back. I remember seeing some of that stuff. Yeah. I think because the big deal about Frenchie was that she was the only young original actress that was coming back from the crew of the Pink Ladies and T-Birds. So she was probably the only one that might actually draw people right. to the yeah, Nobody's yeah. going to come to see Sid Caesar, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. And they pimped out that she's coming back. 
Well, when this movie started, we'd mentioned that the script wasn't done. They were rewriting it during it. Well, once they finalized it over this production that was very long, they wrote her out without telling her. And when she found out, she's like, hey, where are the rest of my scenes? They're like, oh, you can go home. We don't need you anymore. And they left her scenes in. This is part of what makes this movie such a black eye is they were so disrespectful to her. Frenchie's fun to see on camera and they wrote her out halfway through this film. She's gone. Yeah, once once sort of like her, I guess, story is over, they don't even like address her anymore. Like, no, she's just, a ghost. She's just like, that's it. No more Frenchie. I think that is really sad to do to an actress who, you know what, coming back to the Little Brother sequel, I guess you could say, or the little sister, the little sibling in a way, none of the big players came back, mostly because they said they wanted him back and then wrote the script and just didn't invite them back, which is another bizarre thing because John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John said they were both talked about being in this film and they said nothing and then found out, oh, it's shooting right now, you're not in it. <laughs> This was horribly put together. I don't know whose true fault this is. Maybe one day, I mean, because there's so much out on this, but maybe one day they'll make like a really badass documentary. Or maybe they already have and I just couldn't find it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would have already been watching yeah. that if but, it was existed. But don't do that. <laughs> don't invite someone on to your set. Write them, shoehorn them in as like, oh, I'm coming back for chemistry class so I can make my own makeup. And then halfway through the film go, oh, fuck off, we don't need you. Not defending that in any yeah. way. But like for me seeing this as a little kid, not knowing any of that, I'm still just like, oh, Frenchie's in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I second that because. Because <laughs> if I don't have the background on that, I'm just like happy to see her. <laughs> Same here. I was like, oh, it's Frenchie. I love Frenchie because she had such a huge part in the first movie as just, you know, she was the connector of everybody. And I just thought it was fantastic to have her because, they you know, they put her in the first scene. They put her in three scenes. The very first scene at the track and in school. Also when he's practicing to become the cool rider, she holds his helmet. Also they put her they say put her in four scenes. So like I think that's they, her last scene. <laughs> they sprinkle her throughout the movie yeah. uh, so that they can at least give her some credit. But yeah, but those I, scenes, I was surprised to hear that. Those scenes were already shot. The thing is is like if you're just going to not like give her character like maybe she could have been there when they all graduated. Why would you completely write her out of the script? I mean, she should have graduated with them, honestly. I can't remember. I know she was a beauty school dropout. To go to beauty school, she also had to drop out of high school. So she dropped out of high school for the original Grease. And so this was her going back to high school to get a chemistry, to get specially teased, or to graduate, basically. Mm -hmm. And she was not in the graduation scene, and she should have been. What yeah. if what She's if, also would have had to have taken a year off, because if this is two, two years. Two years, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she was in her senior year when she dropped out. Last year should have been her last year. So she must have taken a year off and then went to school. Mm -hmm. But then didn't, yeah, didn't end up graduating with them, what which if, is weird. What if we write Grease 3? And it's Frenchie coming back for her GED because, like, her her, gran <laughs> her granddaughter is like, wait a minute. 
You don't have a high school you diploma? You didn't graduate. And they show, like, the luau scene from this one. Yeah. Like, You're not there. You didn't graduate. Yeah. And, and Frenchie gets out of her wheelchair, and she's just like, You're right. She's I'm going back to school. She's not that old. I Well, we don't know. I don't... You probably could find out how old she is. Oh, we don't know. We don't do that. <laughs> we don't do research here. <laughs> if we don't find it in our very short research, it didn't happen. We find pop-up video facts, and that's where we stop. <laughs> I'm a newbie. <laughs> All right, let's move into the new segment. Matt, you can introduce it. It's not really a new segment. It's just because we're doing musical here. What's everybody's favorite song? Let's have our guest here uh, pick out her first one. Well, my favorite song, I, I really struggle with this because of me loving this this movie so much. I would say it's really hard for me to pick my favorite song, but my I would say Cool Rider. Stephanie. Look, when are you going to get the picture? If you really want to know what I want in a guy. With hell in his eyes I want a devil that's getting tied leather He's gonna be wild as the wind When by night I'll be holding on tight To a cool rider A cool rider If he's cool enough He can burn me Like I said at the beginning of this film, I have been climbing up ladders and pretending like I would like to find a cool, 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 cool writer. For most of my life, anytime I see a ladder, it is the song and scene I think about. Since I was probably a little girl, I love it. Today, I was talking to my sister. She actually said it was all about sex, which I wasn't, I was actually did not realize until today. She's jumping on a ladder and jumping up and down. So that was... A new realization. Wait, for me. what? She did? When she goes, she walks up a ladder and then she puts her leg around it and then she's like, I want a cool, 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 cool rider. My sister is convinced that that was all about sex and not really about a cool rider. Oh. Yeah, she she just wants sex. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I know that, but was, she, oh, was she straddling a yeah. ladder and yeah. riding? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. So, like, she goes, <laughs> my sister's like, oh, no kidding. That's all about sex. And I was like, you've just changed my whole childhood. <laughs> but it is my favorite song. I love it. I like it when she walks out. She does the thing with her hands and she's got her jacket on inside out because she wants to have her black jacket on to talk about her cool rider. So. You know, that's my favorite. Matt, you know your favorite song, so just go. Uh, score tonight. The bowling scene. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so good.
It's so good. It's such a catchy song, and the way that scene looks, too, is just amazing. It's wonderful. Did you notice that all the couples are wearing the exact same outfits? Like, all the bowling couples are all wearing the yeah. exact same outfit. Yeah. I it's, loved that. It's so good. Yeah, and you said yeah, the bowling balls, each one of them, oh, like, specially yeah. made. For the pink ladies and the T-Birds, they got their bowling balls specially made for that scene. That's amazing. Yeah, and also Paulette, I'd like to give a call out to Paulette for that scene because she had on some awesome, bright gold pants. Oh, those pants were awesome. Yeah. I fell in love with Paulette at that bowling alley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, Paulette, yeah. you are fucking bringing it tonight. Yeah, so I, I appreciated that scene because of Paulette's gold pants. Yeah, I appreciated what was in those gold pants. <laughs> Her butt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good. My favorite song is, might surprise you guys, maybe not Matt. I wanted to like, oh, I, I really like the back to school, the opening number, and I thought Cool Rider's awesome and a few other ones, but I'm going to be honest, my favorite song now is Reproduction. <laughs> it's <laughs> because, very catchy. Well, it has nothing to do with the catchiness. I just can't believe they did it. And from years from now, people are going to be like, oh, you've seen Grease too," And I'm like, have I? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite song is Reproduction. And they're going to like drop their jaw a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Exactly. That's what that song made me do. Because I fucking found out it existed watching this tape. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love how just it's trash. And it's like, mm, what does Matt do? Nom, 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 <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I love it. Yeah. It's a good, I remember thinking it was really good. And I also remember when I did see it as a kid, seeing it for the first time on like an actual tape instead of, you know, my dad recording it on the TV. I remember even thinking, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> the part at the very end where she's like, I need to talk to you, principal, whatever. I missed my last two periods. And she goes, don't worry, you can make them up later. And I was, I like, my jaw dropped, like, wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. they're going for it. But what a good, like, one-liner. Come on. It is. It's it good. Pretty it's good. funny. Well, <laughs> as a kid, you would take that as, like, oh, that sucks. She's going to be in trouble. You yeah, know, you I, don't exactly get it. Yeah, you don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do want to mention Prowlin'. I'm going Prowlin', walk, talk like a T-bird. <laughs> when I love that you sing every song. Um, the they're prowling in a grocery store, and I think that is the one thing that this movie nailed. That is high school. <laughs> the mall, the, or the, grocery, st- store. Yeah, the yeah. grocery store. Basically, where anyone goes to congregate. You know. Yeah. Right. You're like, man, maybe I can pick up a chick. Yeah, because when girls go to the grocery store, they love being hit on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking idiots! I love it. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a really a really good one. Also, I agree. All right, I think we're ready to move on to our museum. Let's put stuff in the museum. <laughs> This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we put something in our museum, good or bad. It's something we got to remember or learn from. Sarah, super special guest star. What are you putting in in the visitor's wing? I'm actually going to put in the Pink Lady Pledge. It is the Pink Lady's Pledge to act cool, to be cool, and to think cool. Till death do us part, think pink. That goes in the museum. It goes with the Pink Lady jackets. It goes with the whole movie because I love it. 
She just schooled us on museum. Yeah, that's how you do the museum. Shit. I'm, I'm going to point out to everyone, she didn't have to look that up. She just wrote it down. She knew yep. it by heart. right at it. I didn't want to mess it up, so that's why I wrote it down while we were talking. Nailed it. That is that is what the museum is for. And it might not be till death do us part. I can't remember. Shh, it's all right now. It's it's, it it's exactly till, what it is. It could be till graduation does us part. Be, no, that I think it's till death do us part. I mean, is it cheating putting reproduction in again? No. Why are we no, putting it again? Well, because I it said it was my favorite song. Well, this is, is is it something you want to save and hold on to? Okay, you Which know what? Part do you I got save no, and no, hold no. On I, to? I I know what I'm going to put in the museum. As the song playing, I'm going to have reproduction. But when you walk into my little section of Grease Two, I'm going to put in a T-Bird jacket because I don't know what it is. I feel like their leather jackets in this one is just like the shoulder. They make you yeah, look massive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I seriously want that jacket. I want a you grease You want to go prowling. Well, I don't want to be a T-Bird. I just want their jacket. <laughs> well, if you're like, going to wear a even... T-Bird jacket, you have to be a T-Bird. Tell graduation, my friend. And then I have to jump on a motorcycle while the background's moving. but we're... And I'm jumping up and down, but I'm not really riding the bike. Yeah. yeah. I love that scene when they're cruising before they go prowling. It shows, <laughs> it shows Goose and Johnny doing that. And I'm like, yes! Yeah, it's fun. That's, That's how we do day. it. <laughs> Matt, the final. I gotta put Michelle Pfeiffer in the museum uh, oh, oh. because she. This is this is a star-making performance here. She is probably one of the best actresses we have working today. Still, she's fucking phenomenal all the time. But you, like, we have been watching like movies of how you know the beginnings of people becoming a star. Mm-hmm. This one, I feel like, is the firmest. Like, she's gonna be massive. Like when you see this movie and you kind of have nothing none of the other movies that she's done after this in mind, you're like no doubt in my mind that this one is going to become a superstar. Well, the very next year she goes what? Scarface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I probably she went, yeah, went. after Scarface, there was no stopping her. Yeah. Like even still pretty much to today, she had yeah. a couple of years off, but uh, she's pretty much just gone straight from Scarface to now still kicking ass. Yeah. So, and this this performance solidifies it. She can sing, she can dance, she's cool as hell, and she's like stunning. It's it's total total package. Mm-hmm. Everything you want in a Hollywood star. Everything you want in a movie star. Yeah, that's why she's still going. Yeah. I mean, not only has she aged gracefully and perfectly, like what what is she drinking? <laughs> I have to say this is the movie that I saw her in first. I had never heard of her or anything before. I had seen her, seen her in this movie, and so every time I see her in all other movies, I always get a flashback, basically, of what's on this box art is her in her pink lady jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I love, I agree, Stephanie, or not Stephanie Pfeiffer, excuse me, Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> <laughs> For me, she's Stephanie Pfeiffer. Uh, That's is, her new name. Is, deserves to be in the museum. All right, that was a good museum. Uh so we'll go into uh, I, we you and I watched a film. I think people. So this is kind of like our in theaters now. We watched Black Klansman. The KKK is planning an attack. How do you propose to make this investigation? I'm going undercover in the Ku Klux Klan. You ready? Born ready. The wars are coming. I gotta get in deeper with these guys. 
what I'm talking about. Power to the people. Black Klansman in theaters August 10th. Really good. I really liked it. I was felt very emotional. Yeah. No spoilers for me here, but like very emotional towards the end. I, I was saying this is um, a Spike Lee or a joint. joint. Spike yeah. Lee joint. Yeah, it's a, and he directed it, and I feel like out of a lot of the films I've seen him lately, this one had not only the most focused message, but the best. And I was wondering where this film was going to go when I watched the trailer, and now I understand. And it did. Like, when people left the theater, it was a punch in the stomach. Yeah. It, was, it felt very quiet after people after mm-hmm. the initial movie ended, and some people clapped and this and that. And oh, a um, couple people. Yeah, I mean, it, it got people. it got claps. It got you know. it got very quiet because it hits you like a bus. The film is taking a very serious subject of hate, uh, and they're using the KKK obviously as the clan or as they call them, The Organization, which yeah. is the biggest, you know, David Duke is in this film, played by... Topher Grace. Topher Grace, which I always call Tobey Maguire. And I, <laughs> I did it right when we left the theater. But it's lighthearted because the two leads, Kylo Ren himself and Washington... Kylo Ren himself. Yeah. that's <laughs> He doesn't have a real name anymore. In the movie, his name is... Nickname is Flip. I do. He And they're those two... Washington and Flip throughout the film are so good together. I want to watch another film with those two starring. I do too. And actually, I saw Flip. I don't know his real his real name, but Kylo I saw Ren. It's, it's his real name. <laughs> his real name. I saw him in the the series that was on HBO Girls, and I actually wasn't impressed with his acting, and until I saw him as Kylo Ren, and this was the first movie I had seen where he was not that guy from Girls and I thought he did fantastic and I would love to see him in a lot of other things. Adam Driver has a special unique look but when you because he always plays kind of like off I don't know what the word I'm looking for he he kind of plays odd characters you know Logan's Run he played a one-armed bartender oh Logan Lucky yeah Logan Lucky what did I say? Logan's Run Oh, wait, what? No. He's missing an arm yes. in Logan Lucky. Yeah. Logan's Lucky. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he played an odd character in that, and he okay. did it really well. He comes into Black Klansman and plays a Jewish cop who acts like the Klan doesn't bother him, and it's part of the film's uh, plot. And even in the trailer, it shows John David Washington as Ron Stallworth talking to him like, why do you keep acting like you don't have any skin in the game? He's like, listen, rookie... That's none of your business. You know, I keep that to myself. And we find out why throughout the film. It's the two characters colliding and then trying to get through this landscape is so fascinating to watch. And I would highly recommend anyone watch it. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to leave the theater like, fuck. Yeah, you're going to feel pretty shitty when you walk out of the theater. Only because it's just a really big reality hit about how things used to be in our country and how things are still in our country and or have become in our country and it's just it feels it feels really it's really tough to swallow I think but I would recommend it for anybody because I think it's a good learning film and 
Alec Baldwin at the beginning. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's really good. And actually, yeah. shout out to John David Washington. He was fucking fantastic. Fantaculous? Yeah. New word. <laughs> New it. word. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay, well, that's going to end uh, number four. We're going to come back next week with our final Before Their Stars. It's going to be Cherry 2000. Oh, yes. With a very young Melanie Griffith. Man, she is young. Very young. She has nice, hot red hair, though. Yes, very, very fake red, and love it. (laughs) Cherry 2000. Yeah. All right, rate and review us on iTunes. You can listen to us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, whatever. All the things. Everything that has podcasts has us. Yay. (laughs) And remember to be kind. Rewind. Bye, everybody. Hey, Toxic here. And Meridon, too. We're the hosts of the Overleague podcast. Are you a fan of Overwatch League or just a fan of Overwatch in general? Well, if you are, we break down matches and all other Overwatch happenings, and we won't judge your main. Tune in every other Tuesday to the Overleague on Geekscape wherever you get your podcasts.